God wants to be known as God. And God is doing things such that all might know that there is no one like God. It's obvious God could have dealt with Pharaoh by now. He could have just put him in the grave. But here's our text from Romans. Indeed, for this cause I have allowed you to remain. In order to show you my power, in order to proclaim my name through all the earth, God is righteous in showing mercy. He's righteous in judging judgment deserving sinners and even his patience if i were to use romans 9 language i would say god has waited he has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction that's what he's going to say as we get down further in romans 9 welcome to downtown bible class with pastor scott gilchrist today we continue our study of the book of romans pastor scott brings part four of a message titled a righteous god and a savior We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Refusal to listen to the word of God marks Pharaoh out. As the Lord had said, this doesn't catch the Lord by surprise. Verse 14, then the Lord said to to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is stubborn. The first word is strong. The second word stubborn is heavy. Weighty. It's just, it's just heavy with sin. A last sinful nation weighed down with sin. Isaiah begins his rebuke, his, his, uh, closing argument at the very beginning of his book. In Isaiah, I'm quoting Isaiah 1 verse 4. Sin weighs a man's heart down. And Pharaoh's heart was weighed down. It was stubborn. It was stubborn. Verse 14, then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is stubborn. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he's going out to the water and station yourself to meet him on the bank of the Nile. And you shall take in your hand the staff that was turned into a serpent. And you will say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews sent me to you saying, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. But behold, you have not listened until now. You can kind of hear the formal nature of this as he says, here's what I want you to tell Pharaoh. I've told you, now you have not listened. And so he says, there's going to be a further plague. He says, by this you shall know, verse 17. Thus says the Lord, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. I'm going to strike the Nile and turn it to... Blood, and he did. Verse 22, but the magicians of Egypt did the same with their secret arts. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had said. Then Pharaoh turned and went into his house with no concern even for this. What a picture of sinful man. Refusal to listen. He would not listen. He turned, went back in his house and wasn't concerned, literally didn't even set his heart over this. There's a stubbornness. So the the Lord brought frogs. And you remember the plagues, and I'm just highlighting Pharaoh's response. Verse 8, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron, and said, Entreat the Lord that He remove the frogs from me and from my people, and I'll let the people go, that they may sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses said to Pharaoh, The honor is yours to tell me when shall I entreat for you and your servants and your people that the frogs shall be destroyed from you and your houses, that they may be left only in the Nile. Then he said, Tomorrow. So he said, May it be, according to your word, that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. I'll give you the honor, Pharaoh. You just tell me when. 
tomorrow, okay? Now you'll know that there's no one like the Lord our God. But, verse 15, when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not listen to them as the Lord had said. You know, I see people sometimes in real jams start to break. But as soon as there's relief, harden their heart again. What a picture Pharaoh is. So the Lord brought gnats, verse 18. And the magicians tried with their secret arts to bring forth gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. Even the magician said, Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had said. Then God brought insects. Verse 25, Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your gods within the land. But Moses said, It's not right to do so, for we shall sacrifice to the Lord our God what is an abomination to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice what is an abomination to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us then? No, it won't do to do it within the land. We've got to do what God said. We must go a three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he commands us. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you shall not go very far away. Make supplication for me. Okay, I'll let you go, but just not go very far away. Make supplication. Well, Moses made supplication and the swarms of the insects departed. Moses went out from Pharaoh, verse 30, and made supplication to the Lord. And the Lord did as Moses asked and removed the swarms of insects from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people. Not one remained, but Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also, and he did not let the people go. So God called for a pestilence, chapter 9, verse 4. And in this time, God, I mean, you watch the further revelation of God here. Verse 4, the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so that nothing will die of all that belongs to the sons of Israel. So I'm going to make a distinction, he says. And I, and the Lord, verse 5, set a definite time. You think of all the times that God has pointed out through history in his dealings with people. And he said at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. When the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son. And he says now, God set a definite time. Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. So the Lord did this thing on the morrow, and all the livestock of Egypt died, but of the livestock of the sons of Israel, not one died. And Pharaoh said, and behold, there was not even one of the livestock of Israel dead. But the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take for yourselves handfuls of soot from a kiln, and let Moses throw it toward the sky in the sight of Pharaoh. And it will come, become fine dust over all the land of Egypt and will become boils breaking out with sores on man and beast through all the land of Egypt. So they took soot from a kiln and stood before Pharaoh and Moses threw it toward the sky and it became boils breaking out with sores on man and beast. You know, I can't help but look ahead 
to the book of Revelation. You know, this is a picture, this is a microcosm of history. Listen to some of the final judgments that will fall on unrepentant men in the last days. Men were scorched, we read, in the future with fierce heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has the power over these plagues, and they did not repent so as to give Him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his bowl upon the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became darkened, and they gnawed their tongues because of pain, and they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. The door was open, but they did not repent. They gnawed on their tongues rather than use their tongues to praise God or give glory to God. And Pharaoh faces similar judgment here, and he does not repent. He does not repent. Now, watch what happens. Look at verse 13. Then the Lord said to Pharaoh, rise up early in the morning and stand be said to Moses, and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. There's kind of another formal entreatment. And he says, for this time I will send all my plagues on you and your servants and your people so that you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. You know something? God wants to be known as God. And God is doing things such that all might know that there is no one like God. And he gives Pharaoh this final plea, it seems. For if by now, look at verse 15, I had put forth my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, you would have been cut off from the earth. It's obvious God could have dealt with Pharaoh by now. He could have just put him in the grave. But here's our text from Romans. Indeed, for this cause I have allowed you to remain in order to show you my power, in order to proclaim my name through all the earth. I've allowed you to remain so that I might proclaim my name and my power throughout all the earth. God is righteous in showing mercy. He's righteous in judging, judgment-deserving sinners. And even His patience, if I were to use Romans 9 language, I would say God has waited. He has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. That's what He's going to say as we get down further in Romans 9. As He entreats Pharaoh, let my people go, repent, turn to me. But Pharaoh does... Not It is God's glory to make His power, His mercy, and His judgment known. So verse 17, still you exalt yourself against my people by not letting them go. Behold, about this time tomorrow I'll send a very heavy hail such as not been seen in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Now, therefore, send, bring your livestock and whatever you have in the field to safety. Every man and beast that is found in the field and is not brought home, when the hail comes down on them, they will die. Now, watch this. Very significant. Verse 20. The one among the servants of Pharaoh who feared the word of the Lord made his servants and his livestock flee into the houses. But he who paid no regard to the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. There's two kinds of people. The Word of God exposes the heart. Thus says the Lord shows what's in the heart. And the Word of God, those who feared the Word of the Lord, got their cattle in, even among Pharaoh's servants. But those who, look at verse 21, paid no regard, didn't set their heart toward the Word of the Lord. They just left their livestock out after all this 
They did not respond. Now the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky, that hail may fall on all the land of Egypt, on man, on beast, on every plant of the field. And Moses stretched out his staff toward the sky, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire flashing continually. And the hail struck all that was in the field through all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. The hail also struck every plant of the field and shattered every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the sons of Israel were, there was no hail. Then Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. Oh, repentance. I've sinned. The Lord is the righteous one. I and my people are the wicked ones. This sounds pretty good, doesn't it? You ever hear this sort of thing? I've really messed up. I've I've sinned. The Lord is the righteous one, he goes on. I and my people are the wicked. Make supplication to the Lord, for there has been enough of God's thunder and hail, and I'll let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Moses said, as soon as I go out of the city, I'll spread out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and there will be hail no longer, that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear the Lord God. So Moses went out, verse 33, from the city of Pharaoh and spread out his hands to the Lord. And the thunder and the hail ceased and the rain no longer poured on the earth. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned again and hardened his heart. He and his servants. He sinned again. Don't look with glibness on the kindness of God, thinking that the forbearance of God will somehow keep you from judgment. Don't you know that by your unrepentant heart, Paul wrote in Romans 2, you're storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Pharaoh says, I have sinned. Uh, you're, the Lord is the righteous one. I'm the wicked one. But did he mean it? Of course not. He hardened his heart again as soon as there was relief, and he did not let the people go. You know, men think they make a mockery of God. God makes a mockery of men. Look at chapter 10, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants, that I may perform these signs of mine among them, that you may tell in the hearing of your sons and your grandsons how I made a mockery of the Egyptians and how I performed my signs among them, that you may know that I am the Lord." All of history will one day be seen. Men think they're just going to blaspheme God and, and they think they get away with it and they think they're the cute ones and they're the intellectual and they're the wise. God says, where's the reasoning of the wise? Where's, where's all the mighty men anyway? God makes a mockery of those who try to make a mockery of him. But it in no way, in no way, does it in any way excuse them. Look at verse 3. Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. And you know the story. It goes on. And finally, finally, his own advisors. Look at verse 7. Pharaoh's servants said to him, How long will this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Don't you realize that Egypt is destroyed? Common sense would say, how long are you going to let this go on? Egypt is destroyed. But you know what? 
Sinful, unrepentant, hardened hearts don't have any common sense. We're seeing it today, are we not? I mean, God brought plagues back then. God brings judgment in our day. And maybe you read in Thursday's paper, we get so used to it that we don't even see it. But Rudy Galindo, the figure skater, finds out that he's got HIVs, HIV positive. And here's the article. Rudy Galindo wants to live as normal a life as possible, even though he's HIV positive. For Galindo, that means pleasing audiences with his grace, athleticism, and often his outrageousness. And if you've ever seen him, the flaunting of his perverse sin, it's outrageous, so the paper says. And he's going to, he intends to keep skating to raise awareness of the disease. He's not going to repent and break before the Lord and raise awareness of God. He's going to raise awareness of what? The disease, as if, and what do we hear? What, what have we done as a culture today? Have we responded to God's hand on us? No. What are we, what are we raising the consciousness of? Well, we need more, but yes, but you say, Scott, aren't people calling for more money? Yeah, they're calling for more money. Man can solve it. Aren't they calling for safe sex? Oh yeah, that's right. They're calling for safe sex. I forgot. We need to raise the consciousness. No, there's no brokenness. There's no repentance. And so he says he's going to draw on the inner strength. This is the quote that he found earlier when dealing with the death from AIDS of his brother and his two coaches who were fellow practitioners. And so you see, he has got the strength. And I think back to Pharaoh's strengthened heart. And he's willing to strengthen himself and persevere in and he, if you read the whole article, celebrating his continued sin before God. And our culture has done the same today as we've seen God's hand of judgment on us at different times. Have we really changed? No, not at all. Pharaoh didn't change. God hardened him. He hardened himself. He was hardened. His obstinacy and God's righteous judgment on his sin came together and his heart became more and more belligerent and hard. And you know, we could continue, but I would just sk simply skip ahead to the very last plague. And if you look at Exodus 14, Exodus 14, verse 5, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled after God had delivered them, the Exodus had taken place. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart toward the people. And they said, what is this that we've done? We've let Israel go from serving us. So he made his chariot ready and took his people with him. And he took 600 select chariots and they chased after them. They had a change of heart again and began to go after him. And the Lord, we're told, verse 8, hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he chased after the sons of Israel. And God was honored. Look over at verse 17. He said to Moses, verse 16, As for you, lift up your staff. As for me, verse 17, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will actually go in after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. And you remember the story. God was honored not only through his deliverance of Israel and mercy, but his judgment of Pharaoh and the Egyptians as they belligerently followed into the Red Sea that God had miraculously parted in defiance of God. And the sons of Israel came out on the other side. And look at chapter 15. 
Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its riders he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will extol him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he's cast into the sea. The choicest of his officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep covers them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellence, thou dost overthrow those who rise up against thee. You know, a great portion of God's praise is that he will finally deal with the rebellious, sinful obstinacy of man. And the final line to this song, look at verse 18, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. I turn to the end of the Bible and I read in Revelation 15 that the saints in heaven will sing the song of Moses. And you come to chapter 19 and the hallelujah chorus is that the Lord our God has overthrown the wickedness and he will reign forever and ever. Amen. God is righteous in showing mercy, and He is righteous in showing judgment. He judges judgment-deserving sinners, not without giving much opportunity to repent, and not without using them on the stage of history to His glory. And so He did with Pharaoh. He has mercy on whom He wills, and He hardens whom He wills. God is the reigning sovereign of the universe. Now, what about you? I don't see how a person can read with eyes opened and not see the need for repentance as we read in Pharaoh's life. Have you been not listening to the word of the Lord? Have you said, I don't care, I don't know the Lord, why should I serve Him? Have you turned your back on the Lord? Today, if you hear His heart, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart, the scripture says. Today, well, it's still called today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. God hasn't changed. God is waiting. The day will come when the door will close, but he's waiting today. If you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts, the scripture says. Maybe God's been trying to get your attention. Maybe you've even come to the point, you look back at times in your life and you said, I've sinned, I've sinned. The Lord's the righteous one. But as soon as you got relief, you hardened your heart again. Break before the Lord. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Come to Him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, He said. I'll give you rest. Christian, rejoice that God is righteous in all His ways and in all His deeds. He has shown mercy to us. We should glorify His name forever. He will one day deal with all obstinacy, all unrighteousness, and we will praise His name, not only for our salvation, but for His righteous judgment of sin throughout all eternity. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, A Righteous God and a Savior, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. 
We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. What then shall we say? Is there unrighteousness with God? There's no injustice with God, is there? And that's the word unrighteousness. And he says, may it never be. And then he goes on to show how God is righteous in mercy and God is righteous in judgment. How can God show mercy to me? He sent his son to the cross for me. That's how. But God is also righteous in judging, judgment deserving sinners. And we need to remember that. We need to say it that way sometimes just to help us see it. And then he restates the principle, verse 16. So then, it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part five of the six-part message titled, A Righteous God and a Savior. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.